Welcome to Gethsemane Church. I'm Pastor Mark Lowe. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. We hope today's service will inspire you, challenge you, and encourage you. For more information about our church, please go to GethsemaneChurchG3.com. God bless and enjoy the service. He'll be right there with you through the whole journey. Amen. Pulling you through. You say, well, why are we going through it? Amen. We don't understand the things that are going on around us. Amen. The Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways. Amen. There's things going on that we're not aware of. There's things that we need to learn. There's things that we need to grow through. There's tougher things coming. We need to be a little bit stronger. Amen. So God puts us in these situations or He allows us to be in these situations, but He doesn't leave us there. Amen. He's always willing to pull us through it. He's always there with us, amen, and He's always in control. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love You. God, we're thankful, God, for You, God, Lord. Lord, we're thankful for Your presence today, dear God. Help us, God, to be more aware of Your presence today, dear God. Help us to be more aware of You, God, moving, God. Lord, help us, God, Lord, to be more focused on You in this place today, dear God. Help us, Lord, not to see the things that are going on around us, God. Help us not to see what's on the stage or what's in front of us speaking, God, but help us to see You today, dear God. Lord, we need a word from You today, dear God, not a word from me, God. There's no words I can say that will help a single person in here, God. Lord, but there is only words from heaven above, God, Lord, that can help us today, dear God. Lord, so help us today, dear God, to hear You, God, to see You, God, to be more aware of You, God, Lord, in this place, God, Lord, and we'll give You all the glory and honor because you are good. Thank you, God, in your precious and holy name. Amen. 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 We're going to have a seat. Amen. We're going to dismiss our young people at this time. Amen. Amen. It is good to be in the house of God with you all today. Amen. Good to see each and every one of you. Just so excited to see what God's doing in our church. Just so excited to see the growth the, uh, the, uh, the, the more people coming, amen, it's just so exciting and we're just uh, happy to have every one of you here today. If this is your first time here, welcome. And uh, in front of you there's a little card that you can register with us and uh, just help us to keep in touch with you, but we're just so glad that you are here today. Today we're going to be talking about the burning bush, amen, and we're going to be in Exodus 3, 1 through 12 and this is a uh, very uh, familiar story with everybody here, I'm pretty sure. But I'm going to read through this and uh, just hope that God will bless you in this. Now Moses kept the flock, starting in verse 1, of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him unto, unto him in a flame of fire, out of the midst of a bush, hence the burning bush. Amen. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why is this bush not burned? This bush got his attention. He went to investigate. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. 
Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Gethsemane Church, the God of each and every one of us here today. Amen. And Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Amen. God knows our sorrows. God knows our troubles. Amen. As I said, He is aware of everything we struggle with. And I am come down to deliver them out of thy hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them unto thy land, unto a good land, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of Canaanites, and Hittites, and Amorites, and the Perizzites, and Hivites, and the Jezebites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherein the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou might bring forth my people, out of the, the, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he says, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people of Egypt. You shall serve God upon this mountain. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, bless the reading of your word today, dear God. Thank you, God, for your word today, dear God. Help us today, dear God, to grow in you today, dear God. Bless us with word. Anoint it, God. Use it today, dear God. Remove me, God, Lord. Lord, and just have your way in this place. Amen. As I said, we're going to be talking about the burning bush today. We're going to be talking about this bush, and I want you to know today that if there was no fire, it was just a bush. Amen. If there was no fire, it was just a bush. Amen. And we've all seen bushes. Amen. I want to know today, have you ever heard a story of a bush besides this bush? Amen. People just don't stand around talking about bushes. Okay, they just don't stand around telling stories about bushes. One time me and Jamie and Joel was sitting around and we was talking about a mom bush and we all felt like it was weird that we was doing that, so we immediately stopped. And that's the only other time I've had a story about a bush in my life, amen. People don't talk about bushes, amen. If there would have been no fire, there would have been no burning bush and we wouldn't have even known about this bush, amen. No doubt Moses had seen bushes before. In fact, he'd been living here 40 years, and I really believe today that he's probably seen this bush. Amen. The Bible says that he was out tending to his father-in-law's sheep, and he was in this land. The Bible says that he was out with this sheep, so I believe he's probably crossed this path of this bush before. He's probably just didn't pay any attention to it. He walked right by it without even a thought. I believe Moses probably knew every rock, every tree, every bush in this area. But this day proved to be a very unusual day. This day the bush looked different. Amen. The bush was different today. This bush was on fire and it wasn't just any fire. Moses noticed that it was on fire, but he had probably seen bushes on fire before. As I said, he was in the desert area. So he was in an area where things were very hot, where things were very dry, where bushes and trees tend to be very combustible. So he had probably seen the occasional tree or the occasional bush on fire before. But today, this bush was different. This fire was different. He had never seen a sight like this before. In fact, the Bible tells us that it's different. The Bible tells us that this bush was burning, but it was not consumed, right. meaning it did not dry up. It did not go away. It was there, and it still looked the same. It just had a fire resting upon it. 
Moses had, had seen these bushes before, but now today it was different. Amen. The fire had made it different. Moses could tell he had never seen anything like this before. The Bible says that it was burning, but it was not consumed, meaning it was on fire, but it was not burned. It was not being destroyed. It held its previous shape and form. It's probably still green and healthy, but yet it was on fire. See, fire changes things, amen? Fire changes things. Fire reshapes things. Fire reforms things. If you've ever been in an area where there was a great fire, you'll notice that things are not the same anymore. The landscape has been changed, but this bush was on fire, but yet it was not touched and it was not consumed. It seems like something you or I would want to investigate, amen? You or I would want to go see. Today I want to focus on what made this bush so different, amen? It wasn't because of his shape, it wasn't because of his size, it was because the very presence of God's fire that made it so different, amen? Today we will see that without God's fire, without God's presence, it was simply just a bush. Just a bush among dozens, just a bush among hundreds of other bushes without the fire of God. But with the fire of God, amen, things change. Amen. With the fire of God, this simple bush set forth a series of events that would change the world. Yep. Amen. Amen. Today I want us to look at a few points today, Pastor, of that burning bush <laughs> that helped change the world. The first thing I see is with God's fire, that bush became God's dwelling place. That's right. God dwelled in that bush. Amen. When Moses went to investigate the burning bush that was not consumed, he began to hear a voice. Amen. Not just any voice, it was the voice of the Lord. And listen, I believe, just like he had seen bushes, he had probably heard voices before. Amen? He had a family, he lived in Egypt, he lived around a lot of people, but this voice was different. This voice come directly out of the fire that was engulfing the bush. I think it's important to see here because the Bible makes a point to mention that the bush was not consumed by fire. So it's really important to understand that the fire did not originate within the bush. Amen? This bush did not get really dry. Lightning did not hit it. There was no campfire nearby where wind blew sparks upon it and caused it to go up in flames. No, the Bible says that fire rested upon this bush. The fire, the presence of God came and rested on the bush. Had this been a regular, regular fire, this bush would have been ashes and Moses wouldn't have had anybody to talk to. Amen? Amen. And there would have been no voice. Instead, our writer wants us to understand that the fire was God himself. God had came down to earth in the form of a fire, and he was inhabited in this bush. God used this bush, pastor, as a dwelling place. Before there was a tabernacle, before there was a temple, there was a bush. The Lord is not limited by size, shape. He is not limited by substance, amen. He is not limited by anything. Wherever God desires to dwell, God can dwell, amen. God can just as easily dwell between the angels on the Ark of the Covenant as he can between the limbs of a bush. God's presence and his fire can dwell wherever he desires, amen. But this morning, the Lord desires to do more than simply dwell in bushes. The Lord desires to dwell in places more than tabernacles. The Lord desires to live in places more than temples. Amen. God didn't send His Son, Jesus, to die on a cross so that God's presence could dwell among bushes or temples or or tabernacles. No, God desires to live within us. Amen. Amen. God desires much more than these type of dwellings. Amen. In Ephesians 2, Paul explains that it is God's desire to dwell in our hearts. 
and in the mind of the redeemed. God's desire is no longer to set up residence in an ark. He doesn't desire no longer to set up residence in a tabernacle or a temple. God wants to live through us. Amen. Through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says in John 17 and 21, in fact, Jesus said in 17 and 21 that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one with us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus prayed that he was in the Father and he would also be within us. Amen. And we would be one. There is no doubt that our Lord seeks to dwell within us this morning. The Lord seeks to dwell in our hearts. He seeks to dwell in our lives. Amen. So what can we do to experience that today? What can we do to experience the presence of God in our lives today? Romans 10 and 9 gives us the answer. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, amen, thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, amen. 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 We ask God to purify our hearts and we can become that burning bush today, amen. You and I can enjoy being the dwelling place of the holy presence of God today and his fire. I bet that bush was honored God chose him. Amen. There were several bushes out there, amen. And I bet he was honored because that bush chose him. Today God also chooses you. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that it is not his will that anyone would perish. Amen. First Timothy said he would have all men be saved. Another verse says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. I want you to know today, if you can hear my voice, God desires to save you. God desires to live in your life, and God chooses you. Amen. He desires to set up residence in your soul today. Amen. God chooses you. Every one of us here today have the opportunity to have the presence of God take up residence in our lives. Amen. We can be a bush today. Amen. This is the message of the bush, the message of the tabernacle, the message of the temple. It's also the message of the signs and wonders that will happen in, those, in that upper room 2,000 years ago when the presence of God is no longer separated from us by walls. The presence of God is no longer separated from us by veils. It's no longer bound by objects. The presence of God can, and He desires to live within His people. Amen. Amen. The greatest loneliness we can ever feel in this world is to be eternally separated from God and His presence. But listen. The great side of that is we don't have to be. That's right. We have a choice, amen, because the greatest fulfillment we can ever feel is to be able to be filled with the presence of God. Yes. You and I are to be the dwelling place, a fire that burns within us, amen, a fire that burns through us, a fire that burns in us but doesn't consume us, amen, a fire that transforms us, amen, a fire that allows us to be one with Jesus. John 16 and 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your advantage that I go away, for I do not go away. The Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying that I died so that you can be filled with my presence. Amen. Amen. Because you see, without the presence of God, without the Holy Spirit, without the fire of God, it's just a bush. Simply a bush. Amen. Simply a tabernacle, simply a tent, simply a, a temple, simply a building. Without the Holy Spirit. You are separated not only from God, but you are also separated from His plan for your life. Amen. But with the Holy Spirit, with God's fire, I see a second point. That bush became a mouthpiece for God. Exodus chapter 3 tells us that not only was the bush a place for God to dwell, it was a mouthpiece for God also to proclaim salvation. 
It was a mouthpiece for God to speak redemption, renewal, and restoration for His children. God used this bush to speak life, to speak His message of salvation. God spoke so clearly, loud enough for anyone to hear. I want you to know when God speaks to you, you'll understand it. It'll be clear. You won't have to wonder, was it God? Amen. The bush didn't whisper. The bush didn't cower. The bush didn't wait on an opportunity to arise. The bush didn't wait on Moses to come over and initiate a conversation. Amen. At the bush, the, amen. The bush began to talk. Amen. All Moses had to do was stop and listen. And I'm so glad today that he stopped to listen. Did you know that also God wants to speak to each one of you today? Each one of you. Amen. Why else would he want you to gather in his house? I mean, have you ever had anybody invite you over to their house and spend two or three hours not talking to you? <laughs> right? Nobody would want to do that, right? Could you imagine somebody just inviting you over and just opening up the door and you come in and sit down on the couch and nobody ever says a word? Amen. That would be weird, right? God desires to speak with you. Amen. God desires to have a conversation with you. Amen. God desires to speak to you in His house. Amen. The Bible says that the saints, us, His children, should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You know what that means? We should go to church. Amen. That's exactly, that's exactly what that means. We should go to church. But God's telling us that we need to gather together regularly in His house and worship to hear from Him. Why? Why would we want to come but not talk to us? Why would God want us to come but not talk to us? God desires to talk to us. Amen. The Bible says that God used to take strolls with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. I believe God longs for a relationship with us just like that. Amen. Amen. God is our Father. What kind of Father would He be if He didn't want to talk to us? Amen. So many people think, I think, misunderstood this and simply overthink what it means for God to speak to them. Amen. Do you know why God speaks? Do you know why God speaks for us, seeks for us to pray, to praise, to worship? Do you know the ultimate purpose of redemption, of being restored to God? It's simply that God desires to share space with you. Amen. God desires a relationship with each one of us. Amen. God desires to speak to us, and yes, God desires to speak through us to His other children. Amen. Prayer is much more than dialogue. Amen. Brother Robert's been teaching us about prayer in our men's ministry. Amen. Amen. And I wish all of you could come, but you can't. Amen. Because you ain't men. Amen. <laughs> and you won't let us come to yours. So, amen. You can... <laughs> but he's been teaching us, and it's been just so powerful. He's been teaching us the last time we was in here. That Jesus gave us a template of how we should pray in His Lord's Prayer. But I want you to know that God desires to not only hear our request or even hear our praise and adoration, He desires to also talk back to us. Amen? He doesn't want this to be a one-way conversation where we present our request and we sing praises to Him, but He also desires for us to listen to Him. Amen? Prayer is more than simply talking and requesting. Worship is more than singing our favorite songs with our favorite worship band. Amen. We gather together to speak to God and also hear from God. Amen. To hear from God. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. Amen. It's when we talk and we also listen. Amen. It's the same when we read the Bible, when we worship, when we praise. It's all done in adoration, sure, but it's also time that we spend with God where God talks to us. Amen. We are one with God. That includes talking and hearing, Brother Ron. The Lord speaks to us every day in hundreds of different ways if we would just pay attention and listen. Amen. He speaks to us through His creation. 
He speaks through us through nature, through all of the beauty He created. When we see these beautiful things and we are in awe and we're in the presence of God, He's speaking to us. He's creating an atmosphere where we will know He is present. Amen? Amen. That's, that's Him talking to us. He talks to us through His Word and through worship music when we feel Him strongly within us. Amen? If we will listen, God will speak to our hearts and to our minds. Amen? God will even speak to you through friends and families, maybe even a stranger. God can and desires to speak to us, and amen. And He desires to use many different mouthpieces to speak to us, amen, including a bush, amen. The only problem God has in talking to us is when we don't recognize Him talking to us, amen. Amen. God can talk to us in many different ways. He used a donkey, amen. He can use any way, amen. But God, the only problem He has is when we're not aware, amen, and when we tune Him out. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 13 and 15. He says, For the hearts of the people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Amen. Their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I could heal them, should heal them. The problem isn't on God's side. Amen. Right. A lot of times I won't hear what my wife says, and I'll turn around. <laughs> you guys know where this is going. <laughs> I won't hear what she says and I'll say where are you talking to Lo and she said no you just wasn't listening yeah. amen amen if you're married you've had that conversation before probably amen and there are times I have to admit I wasn't listening amen don't tell her I said that amen amen but there are times when we are dialed into the things of the world and we don't hear the voice of God amen there are times when we are dialed into things going on around us that we don't hear the voice of God. There are also times when we are talking about God when we think it's kind of weird for God to talk back to us. Amen? There's an old joke that says, when you talk to God, we call it prayer, but when He talks to you, they call it schizophrenia. Right? <laughs> Amen. There's a lot of people that think that way, right? I mean, that joke is a little too true for some of us, right? Sometimes we close off our ability to hear from God. We think something is wrong with us if we desire to hear from God. Right, We've gotten too used to the extent of our experience with God being a church service where we hear a message from a pastor or a preacher but not a word from God. Amen? Right. Amen. Did you hear that? Amen? Right. I think sometimes we come to church and the, our only experience is hearing a word from the pastor and not a word from God. I want you to know that those days are gone. Amen? Amen. We don't have to come into a temple and only hear the word of God from a pastor. We can hear the word of God for ourselves. Amen? but I believe we've gotten too used to that. Amen. <clears throat> we've become used to our messages coming from a pulpit, a YouTube video, a podcast, than a burning bush. We are more used to the traditional church experience than we are the firestorm that happened in the upper room with 120 of his followers. Amen. When the Holy Ghost anointed, anointed thousands of people and they were saved right after that happened after the Holy Ghost fell on 120 people the Bible says that Peter went out and preached a message and thousands were saved amen and revival started and the Bible says the whole world was changed after that amen but yet we're so used to the traditional experience with God that all we want to hear is a few verses and a, maybe a 30 minute talk from a pastor instead of hearing a word from God amen Listen, revival for you, for your family, for this community, for this nation, for this world will not happen by you opening your ears to hear a word from me today. There's nothing I can say in here today that will spark a revival in your life. Revival will begin when you open your hearts to hear a word from God. Amen. Amen. Our pastor, 
Our pastor is one of the most anointed preachers I've ever heard. But I want you to know revival will not come when you open your ears to hear a word from him. It will begin when you open your heart to receive a word from God. Amen. 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 I want you to know there's no fire in our words. I believe they are anointed from God, but the fire is God's, not ours. Amen. The fire is from God's word. We are simply inspired and anointed to preach his word. Amen. We're just a bush. Amen. Just a bush. Amen. It's the fire of God that speaks through us, and you are responsible for receiving that word. Moses could have turned and went the other way, but he had to turn and go see what the bush had to say. Today, you can't block off what God has to say to your heart and just by listening to my words. Amen. I hope I explained that well. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to preachers and you shouldn't listen to pastors, but the word of God speaking through us is what you should be listening to. Amen. Amen. We need to open our hearts and allow God to speak to us. Amen. Amen. It's not God speaks to us and we speak to you. Amen. Those days are gone. You don't have to receive a word that God spoke to us. Amen. You can receive your own word from God. God desires to speak with every one of his children through the redemptive blood of his son, Jesus Christ. God spoke to Abraham. God spoke to Job, Noah. He spoke to Moses. Amen. God spoke to David, Solomon, to Samuel. God spoke to Elijah, Daniel, Isaiah, Paul, Peter, John, the rest of the Beatles, whatever it is. (laughs) God has spoke to many people. The Bible is full of stories and stories of humans and God enjoying conversations with one of another. Amen. I was talking with our pastor the other night and we was talking about how a lot of times we look at the Bible as a book of history. We look at the Bible as a collection of stories of how God related to a lot of people a long time ago. That's how we look at the Bible a lot of times, right? But the Bible is the living, breathing Word of God. Those stories are living, breathing stories, not only teaching us that relationships between God and His people in the Bible, but that God also desires a relationship with us. Amen. Amen. Just as He spoke to Job, He wants to speak to you. Just as He spoke to Moses through a bush, He wants to speak to you. And He made a way for that to be possible through His Son, Jesus Christ, through the cross and through resurrection. Amen. God wants to speak to every one of you today. Every one of you. All we have to do is listen. First, we have to desire to listen to God. Next, we have to prepare to listen to God. And next, you just have to listen, exercise your listening muscles. Amen. I truly believe since the days of the prophets, the preachers, and anyone who shares the gospel of Jesus Christ, that one thing that we passionately seek is to be that bush. Amen. We want to be able to just speak the word of God to his people. Preachers today, evangelists today, they all desire one thing. They want to be able to say, thus says the Lord. Amen. That's my, that's my desire today is to be able to say, thus says the Lord. I don't want you to hear my opinion. I don't want you to hear my thoughts. Amen. I want you to hear what God has to say. Amen. One of the most beautiful scriptures in the Bible is uh, found in Hosea 1 and 2, and it says, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea. Amen. Through Hosea. That should be the desire of anyone that shares the gospel. And guess what? We're all called to share the gospel. Every one of us is called to share the gospel. Every one of us is called to be a bush. Amen. Every one of us is called to go out into the highways and the hedges and talk to people and preach to people to go out and be a bush to the world. Our desire should be to study and pray and spend time with God and to seek to be His mouthpiece. Amen. Not to be seen or heard, but that God would be seen and heard. Amen. Anyone can get up and speak in front of people. Amen. We can all get up and take classes and practice. Amen. 
we all have natural gifts to be able to speak to people even if we don't know it. Right? But none of us should desire to stand in front of people so that we can be seen, right. so that we should Amen. get glory. Amen. Amen. We should desire that God would be heard. Amen. We should desire just to be a bush. Amen. We should desire to be God's voice in this world. Amen. If that's your desire to be God's mouthpiece, then we should saturate our lives with prayer. We should saturate our lives with His Word today. There's no greater joy in this world than when God uses you to lead someone to salvation. Amen. Amen. There is no greater joy in the world. And for us to be lazy with God's Word, for us to be selfish with God's Word, that is dangerous. Not only to those that were cheating out of hearing the Word, but it's also dangerous to us. Amen. There's a scripture in the Bible that says we'll be held accountable for every word, every idle word. And I don't believe that means that God's going to punish us for talking about football on Monday morning. Amen. I don't believe that's what he's meaning. Amen. What I believe is that when there's an opportunity and God lays it on your heart to share his gospel and we choose not to, I believe we'll be held accountable for that. Amen. We should all want to share as Jesus. If our salvation is truly our greatest treasure, then why in the world wouldn't we want to tell people about it? Why wouldn't we want to be a bush today? Amen. If so, then we, sh we should spend time in prayer. We should spend time in His Word preparing for those opportunities to arise. I read a stat that said 55% of people that attend church on a Sunday morning do not share the gospel through the week. 55%. I think that's low. I really do. I think that's low. I think probably a lot more than that don't share the gospel through the week. God is looking for a people that want to share His Son with the world. God's looking for a few good bushes. Amen. God is looking for a few good Isaiahs that will say, Here I am. God send me. But without the fire of God, we'll be just another bush. Amen. <clears throat> Our third point today is with the fire of God, this bush became a place of purity and transformation. This simple bush transformed into a sacred place. It became a place where there was no separation between God and Moses. Amen. It became a place where Moses experienced a heart change today. It became a place that led to freedom for the children of God. The Bible says it became a holy ground. Amen. If you've ever seen that old movie with Charlton Heston in it, The Ten Commandments, and you saw this scene of Moses in this burning bush, he, when he walked, walked away, he looked different. When he came back, he looked different. He had different color hair and he had a, a glow about him. And I really believe that whenever we're in the presence of God, we are changed. Amen. We are changed. Amen. Maybe not to that extent. Maybe not in that way, but we're changed. Amen. Moses was just a shepherd tending the sheep that he didn't even own before this encounter with God. He didn't even own these sheep. But after that, he was no longer the same man. He is full of God's fire, full of his spirit. He is now a vessel of God that will be used to free God's children from Egypt. Amen. He is a man who will oversee miracle after miracle and will be instrumental in freeing the whole nation of Israel. For generations they had been slaves, but through Moses, God would free his people. Moses would become the leader, provider, and intercessor of that same people for 40 years until the death that is his age of 120. He was the man that God entrusted with his law, and he was the man that God inspired to write the first five books of the Bible. Moses' life was changed after that bush. Amen. Like the bush, Moses needed God's fire. In his own strength, Moses could do nothing. However, standing on holy ground, Moses removed all that separated him from God. He allowed God's fire to purify him and fill him with the Holy Spirit, and Moses became transformed for the Lord. 
The New Testament shares another man God put on fire in Acts 2. It's the story of Peter. The Bible says that maybe 50 days before the day of Pentecost, Peter was found denying Jesus three times. In fact, he even cursed Jesus, the Bible says. On a side note, the reason he did that is found in Luke when it says Jesus healed his mother-in-law. That was a bad joke. <laughs> that was just an attempt at a bad joke, amen? But the Bible says that Peter... <laughs> I expected that to go a little different. <laughs> But the Bible says Peter denies Jesus three times. Then 50 days later in Acts 3, Peter has his own holy ground experience, not before a bush, but before 119 other followers of Jesus in that upper room. Peter and the other followers have been praying for God to purify them and to fill them with the Holy Ghost and fire. And then on that day of Pentecost, the Bible says that a fire fell upon him and fell upon Peter and everyone in that room. And now instead of denying Jesus in front of men, Peter was preaching the gospel and the Bible says that 3,000 people were saved. Amen. Amen. 3,000 people. It's amazing what God can do if we'll, purify, if we'll allow Him to purify us and empower us with the Holy Spirit. Amen. When we are filled with His power, when we are filled with His fire, nothing will ever be the same around us. Amen. Right. We'll never be the same. God's fire changes us. Amen. God's fire cleanses us. Amen. God's fire ignites our heart for God and for others. God's fire will enable us to praise and rejoice. Amen. God's fire makes a prayer warrior out of us. God's fire will do more than we ever think it will do this morning. Amen. You ever seen somebody get to dancing in church and you think they got the heebie-jeebies? That's God's fire. Amen. People get to clapping. They get to singing louder than they should. God's fire has fell on them. Amen. Just as our, our great brother, Pastor Ron, taught us on Wednesday night today, we need more than ever people that are filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. The world isn't teaching that like it used to. Amen. Right. The church has moved in a, another way from that today. But I want you to know today that as the days draw near, amen, as this world gets darker and darker and darker, we need the power of the Holy Ghost working through us. Amen. We need the Holy Ghost. We need people that are on fire for God. Amen. Listen, the world may have fuel shortages. The world may, may have power grid shortages. But there is no shortage of the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 There's, there's nothing the government can do to make us fall short of the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you are saved today, then the pilot lid is lit. Amen. The pilot light is lit. Began to seek God to turn up that flame in your life. The world has become a dark place. Amen. And where do people go when they're cold, when it's dark? They go to where, to where there's fire and light. Amen. Some may say, why don't people want to go to church anymore? The world's so dark, why don't they want to come? Maybe because they can't see the fight, light. Maybe because they can't feel the fire. Amen. The world needs the fire of the church today more than ever. Amen. We need to determine in our hearts that we won't be a pilot light church where we got just a little bit of light, where we got just a little bit of warmth. Amen. We need to be a church that is on fire for God, a, a church that people will turn and say, I wonder what's going on there. I wonder what's going on. Maybe I need to go investigate. There's something different about that, you see, because you see without the fire, we're just a bush church. Amen. But we can be a burning bush church. Amen. And we can be an everlasting witness to God. The story of the burning bush is a story that's been shared for thousands of years. It's been used in many vacation Bible schools. It's been used in small group studies. It's been used in many, many key passages on Sunday mornings. 
the bush went from barely ever being noticed to being an everlasting witness to God. It's a story that stood the test of time. Amen. It's inspired us and it's amazed us, not at the fact that a bush burned, but it amazed us that God wants to save his people. Amen. That God wants to redeem his people. God wants to restore his people. The story has an everlasting quality to it, but it's the same with every story that involves the power of the presence of God. Amen. People love to hear stories of when fire fell down on the tabernacle. People love to hear stories of God's Shekinah glory filling the temple. They love to hear the stories of the pillar of fire that led the children of Israel. They love to hear the stories of the, the fire that, uh, that saved Elijah, that chaired a fire that took Elijah away. They love to hear the stories of when the coals of heavenly fire was placed on the lips of Isaiah, purifying his heart and soul. They shout and they clap and they scream whenever people start preaching about the uh, 120 that was in the upper room where the tongues of fire fell on them. All those stories are not only exciting to read, but they are full of wonder. They are all witnesses of God's glory and God's honor. Amen. Maybe you've heard some stories of this as well. Amen. I've heard stories when I was growing up of fire falling on churches. I've heard stories of people taking up hot coals and not being burned. I've actually been in service one time where the presence of God was so thick people took off their shoes because they were standing on holy ground. Amen. Maybe you've heard some things like this. You've witnessed some stories like this. These stories have become everlasting witnesses to God and His power. Amen. I believe today you and I also can be witnesses like that. I don't believe God's through working like that. I don't, God, I don't believe that God's through making everlasting witnesses. Amen. We can be a burning bush for generations to come. Amen. We can be those stories that the next generation talks about. My Bible says God will pour out greater. Amen. That means the things that happened before are nothing compared to the things that will happen in the last days. Amen. And the Lord is willing. And I, in fact, in Acts, the Bible says that He will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. Romans 15 and 13 says, God desires to fill us so that we may abound in hope and the power of the Holy Spirit. So God is willing. Amen. He is willing to fill you with His holy presence. Amen. No one, no one can do it for you, though. Amen. The pastor, anointed as he is, he cannot preach it into you. Amen. It's up to you today. And you may say, how, how can I do that? I'm glad you asked. The first thing you can do is you can surrender your life and you can allow God to dwell in your life. Amen. Amen. The first thing you can do, the second thing you can do, if you are ready to give God all of his heart, your hearts, your body, your mind, and your voices, and then if you are willing to allow God to purify you and to transform you. Amen. Today the question is, are you willing to be on fire for God? Are you willing to be that everlasting witness? Amen. There's another side to that, however. No matter if you're willing or not, you're still going to leave a witness behind. Today, if you are willing to be on fire for God, or today, if you're not willing to be on fire for God, you will also leave a witness behind. The last time I spoke, I spoke about a church in Revelation. That church left behind a witness. And if you read Revelation, you will see that Jesus speaks to seven churches, and forever they are known for something. They are known for something. One church stood out for its faithfulness and its fire. It was the church of Philadelphia. It was the church of the open door. Philadelphia was a church on fire and God was opening doors for them. And in response, they was opening their doors for all of God's people. Amen. And in response, they was opening doors for all of God's children. Everyone who came to their church was overwhelmed by God's love and God's mercy. Amen. Philadelphia was a burning bush church. 
However, Jesus talks about other churches in the Bible too. He talks about this one church that was the church of Laodicea. This church didn't have much fire to speak of. In fact, the Bible says it was just a little lukewarm church. Had a lukewarm atmosphere. The, the people possessed a haughty spirit. Right, Many of them attended this church. They looked down on others. They spent most of their time judging other people and being critical of everyone that visited their church. This church had the ability to push people away instead of draw people to the doors. It was not a church of the opening door. It was the very opposite. And to top it off, this church thought they didn't need anything. This church thought it had it all together. This congregation thought that they was all that in a bag of chips, as my pastor says. Amen. The Bible says that they, they didn't even know that they were wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They had no idea that they didn't even possess the fire of God. This church had no idea that they didn't even have the presence of God in it anymore. This church was not a burning bush church for God. This church needed a burning bush experience. The Bible says it needed to repent and purify itself. You see, without God's fire, it was just a bush. Without God's fire, a church is just a building. Without God's fire, as people are just a country club. Amen. We need the presence of God in our lives. We need it in our church. Sadly, in a lot of churches today, you won't find God's fire. Sadly, a lot of churches today have programmed God's presence right out of the services. A lot of churches have just enough to keep them lukewarm, just enough to take away the cold, but not enough to burn away the impurities, the immoralities, the jealousy, the anger, the divisions, the dissensions, the critical spirits. They don't possess enough of God's fire to burn away the pride in their hearts. They don't have enough fire in their to, uh, to, to set them on fire for the loss. You see, where the fire burns, where the presence of God is manifested, sin is convicted. Amen. If we have sin in our lives and we don't feel conviction when the preacher preaches, when the teacher teaches, when we worship God, then the presence of God must not be present. A great guy in this church told me not long ago that he feels drawn to the altar every service. He feels drawn to ask for forgiveness, and that's a great thing. Conviction is a good thing. A lot of times we act like there's shame in conviction. A lot of times we act like there's shame in coming to an altar. A lot of times we act like there's shame in coming down and praying. Amen. I want you to know today we act like we're self-righteous to admit that we have sin in our lives. Amen. We act like we're too good to admit that we still sin and fall short of the glory of God. Right? Just because you're saved doesn't mean that you have things in your life that need to be removed. As long as we're on this earth, as long as we're in these sinful bodies, we're always going to have things in our life that needs to be removed. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit reveals those things to us and then God deals with it. And that's the life we'll live for the rest of our lives. God will reveal something and then He'll take it away from us. We need to be a church that's real about sin. We need to be a church that's real about our brokenness. We need to be a church that doesn't try to hide the fact that we're not perfect. Amen. See, whenever we do that, that leads to hypocrisy. Amen. That leads to people being pushed away from the church. They don't feel like they're welcome. Amen. At least to a haughty spirit that these Laodiceans had. At least to a prideful church that looks down on people instead of asking them for a hand up. That leads to a church that has a welcome sign out on its lawn, but a no trespassing sign in the heart of its members. Right, right. That leads to a congregation that determines you can belong and who doesn't. That leads to too many people being left outside. Amen. Today, we don't want to be one of those churches that has a haughty spirit. We don't want to be one of those churches that has a spirit that looks down on people. We want to be a church that has a welcome sign out front amen. and one in our hearts. Oh, amen. amen. 
I had a thought when I was preparing this message. Jesus inspired John to talk about these seven churches, to write down these seven churches. And if you look at this, basically what, what's happening here is that Jesus has labeled all seven of these churches. He has given a label to these churches. He has described these churches, in other words. If you look, the church at Ephesus, the church that has abandoned its first love, the church of Smyrna, the church that remains faithful during persecution, amen, the church of Pergamum, the church that compromised its beliefs, the church of Thyatira, we talked about a few Wednesdays ago, this church tolerated sin, the church of Sardis, that church was spiritually dead, the church of Philadelphia, we talked about a little while ago, that church remained faithful despite many tribulations. The church of Laodicea, that church was the lukewarm church. That church that looked down on people. That church that pushed people away instead of opening the doors to them. See, Jesus labeled all of these churches. He describes all of these churches. I wonder today, is he still labeling churches? And if he is, what we say about us? And you may say, ooh, he's talking about the church, but I want you to know today the church is us. Right. Each of us here today that are, that are call ourselves part of this church or part of any church, amen, to call ourselves a part of the church of God, a church of Jesus Christ, we're all part of the church. So I wonder today if Jesus is labeling churches, what would he say about us? My belief is that our church is a church that loves people. My belief is that our church is a church that's spiritually on fire. My belief is that our church is a church that has remained faithful to the vision God gave to us. And we are determined to do God's will. But see, I also have another belief. I also believe that all seven of these churches started out that way. I believe that all seven of these churches in Revelation started out well. They just didn't all finish the race. Amen. I know the church in Ephesus did. The Bible says that Paul planted that church. The Bible says that Paul spent many years there teaching and preaching the gospel. In fact, in Acts 20, you'll find Paul meeting with the elders whenever he gets ready to leave the church of Ephesus. And the Bible says that they weep over all that's been done in that church. A lot of great things have been done in that church. Paul talks about it. But then Paul gives them a warning. He says there's going to be some people within your church that will arise and they'll distort the truth and it'll draw people away from God. And then, of course, we saw in Revelation, Jesus tells us that the church of Ephesus had left its first love. This church started out on fire for God. Paul planted this church. Man, things were going well. Things were going great. People talked about this church. It was a great church. They were hard working. But here they have, in Revelation, left their first love. They're still hard working, but they no longer have the same passion for Jesus and His loss. Their work was no longer motivated by love. He goes on to warn them if they don't repent, he's going to remove their candlestick, amen? Meaning he'll remove this presence from the blessings from that church. This church started on fire, amen? They were a burning bush church, but over time that flame died down, and now they're being told to repent. Today as we get ready to close and we get ready to worship today, I can tell you it's our desire to Gethsemane to be a burning bush church, amen? A church that's on fire for God. A place that someone will say, the presence of God rests on that church. The fire of God rests on that church. A place where real encounters with God happen. A place where God reveals Himself in greater ways than we've ever seen before. Our desire is that Gethsemane would be a sacred place where people can experience true worship, 
true, true freedom to worship, but they also will be, have a freedom to be purified from their sins, and they'll experience the transforming baptism of the Holy Spirit. For this to happen, though, we need a people that will allow God to dwell in our hearts and our lives, a people that searches our hearts and lets God purify us, a people that are obedient to God and His leading, amen, a people that are obedient in our service and in our worship of God. Amen. Today, as we open up our altars today, I ask that we seek our heart, that we search our hearts. Amen. And we think of anything in our lives that needs to be removed. Amen. See, before you can be a burning bush, you have to be purified. Amen. You can't have things in your life, amen, that God would, the things in our life that would hold us back from being that burning bush for Him. As I talked about earlier, whenever we're on fire for God, God reveals things in our life that needs to be purified and be removed. Today, if you don't have a relationship with God, today, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, today is a great opportunity for you to do that. If you would like to seek God today, if you would like to pray today, as I said earlier, there is no shame in praying to God, whether it's for salvation, whether it's for something to be removed from your life, whether it's for God to reveal the things to be removed from your life, whether it's for God to make you a burning bush. Whatever it is, there's no shame in praying. As a matter of fact, the only shame is to turn away whenever God's leading it to you. The only shame is to say no. The only shame is to uh, tell God, well, maybe next time, God, maybe next time I'll give my life to you. Maybe next time, whenever they sing that other song, maybe I'll do it then. Or maybe when that other preacher preaches, maybe I'll do that. The only shame is to turn away from God. Amen. That's the only shame. Today I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. And if you'd like to seek God, the altar's open. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, we praise you. God, we thank you today.